Before I start, I just want to take a moment just to take this opportunity to honor Pastor Steve and Beth and Pastor Paul and Elaine. I'm so honored that you're here with us today. And I'm just so aware the honor that it is to stand here and to have this platform entrusted to me. And so I just want to thank you for that. And I'm also very aware that I'm standing on your shoulders. And so thank you for how you have sown and built and labored and set a foundation for us to stand on and been willing to release people into their gifts to, uh, to serve. And so thank you. Just wanted to say thank you. Yeah. It's good. Julie Bassett said yesterday, it's good to honor. Always good to honor. So always. So is my title up there yet? Is it? Can we put it up there? Sufficiently Safonsified. Okay, there's chuckling. This is good. Can you raise your hand if you have heard this phrase before? A number of you. Good. Okay, good. So growing up, my grandpa, um, he used to make up funny phrases. And so he would push away his chair from the table at the end of a great meal, and he'd be like, my sufficiency is saffonsified, or I am sufficiently saffonsified. And so I had this phrase stuck in my head, and I thought, I can't use that as a title. No one's going to understand what that is. No one's going to have heard this phrase before because my grandpa made it up. But as it turns out, I couldn't get this phrase out of my head, so I went online on Google, and I Googled it. And apparently, the Globe and Mail had written an article about this, because the word saffonsified is actually not a word, apparently. Apparently, it is a Canadian thing, and everybody thinks their grandparent made it up. (laughs) I was like, it's my title then. If I'm not the only one who gets it, it's my title. So, sufficiently saffonsified. You know what it speaks to? Being satisfied, that feeling after a great meal when you are full, it's a good feeling. Um, I'm a mom of two, two little girls, three-year-old and a 10-month-old. And uh, so sometimes when I'm making a snack, I prepare a snack for my daughter. And usually if it's something she really likes, like those veggie straws or chips or something like that, I, you know, I put a few that I think is like a healthy amount to eat on the plate and, you know, give some nice other things on the plate so it looks nice and full. And she looks at it and then she's like, but I want more. I'm like, what? It's right in front of you. Just eat what's in front of you and then I can give you more. I want more, mom. How often do we do that? Any parents find yourself saying that? Eat what's there, and then maybe we can talk about more. But right away, she hasn't even eaten anything, and she already wants more. How like that is, how like us is that, that we always have this hunger for more, this desire that just feels like insatiable, and it pervades every area of life, not just food, a physical hunger, but a spiritual hunger for more. It speaks to the fact that we are eternal beings. C.S. Lewis said this, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. So maybe you've heard that part of the, the quote, but it goes on to say this, If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care on the one hand, never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other, never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only kind of a copy or echo or mirage. 
I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that country and to help others to do the same. Isn't that good? This sense that we all hunger. I was actually recently at a Jerry, the Jerry Seinfeld, when Jerry Seinfeld was here at the Odd, I got to go for my birthday, which was really fun, and he was hilarious, and it was great, but there was this one bit that he did, and he was joking about how, I can't imitate him, I don't do a good impression, but if you can imagine his voice, he talks about um, how when we're, we're out, we're out and about, we're like, I gotta get home, I wanna be home, and then when we're at home, we're like, I gotta get out, you know, <laughs> it's like, he's like, nobody wants to be anywhere, <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, he did this whole bit about it. It was so funny because, but it's so true how we just have, we just are not satisfied where we are. And it's, it speaks to this hunger that's in us for more, this dissatisfaction with what we have because it, it's meant to show us that this is temporary and that God is the one who satisfies every need and every hunger in our life. It's meant to draw us to him. It's meant to highlight our need for him always and that he is the one who is sufficient. So my goal today is to encourage our faith to believe no matter what we are facing, God is enough, he is more than enough, and he is sufficient in every situation. Are you ready? All right. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 6. I'm going to focus here. This is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Maybe you've heard this story before. Maybe you grew up in Sunday school and it was maybe one of your favorite stories. I think it's pretty cool, Jesus feeding the 5,000. I've taught this story a number of times as a kid's pastor. But over the last few months, as I've been looking through the, the, the lens of how God is sufficient, I've begun to see so much more in this story than I've ever seen before. And I just want to, let's just dive in together and see what's written here and how it shows that God is more than enough. So the context of this um, story is that Jesus has been out, he's been preaching, he's been healing, he's been about his ministry. And this is where we start. After these things, this is six, chapter 6, verse 1 of John. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? So Jesus looks out into the crowd and anticipates hungry people. He sees there is hunger here. What are we going to do to meet the need? What are we going to do to satisfy this hunger? And he asks the question of Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And it actually says, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. But I just think it's interesting that he's looking first to Philip to respond. And he's asking, I think, what do you see? When you look in the crowd of people and you see the multitudes and you see the hunger and we ask, what are we going to do? What do you see? What is your response going to reveal about your faith and what you see? And so that's my first question. What do you see today? When you look at your life and you look at the lack you feel, whether it be in um, yourself, it could be in a situation you're facing that is hard, and you see, this is impossible. 
that's Philip's response. Philip says, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone may have a little. So Philip identifies the lack. He says, there's not enough with the money that we have. He looks to his, his physical resources, counts it up, and says, that's not enough to even give these people a little bit. And so Philip's revealing, this is what's interesting to me. As at first I thought, of course, what would I do in that situation? There's 5,000 men, potentially more with women and children, they say. They're, you're staring into this crowd of people. What do you see? <laughs> Uh, you can't feed all these people, Jesus. It doesn't matter what you do. You can't. It's impossible. And we do that often, don't we? We look at the landscape of what we're dealing with and we say, I don't, what I have here is not enough. And what's interesting to me is that he actually doesn't answer Jesus' question. Because Jesus asks, where do we buy bread to feed the people? I wonder how this story would change if Philip said, well, you know, there's a bread place down the road. (laughs) Would Jesus be like, let's go there? And would he have multiplied the money? I don't know. It says Jesus knew what he was going to do, so I assume not. But Philip doesn't answer the question. He only looks at his lack right away and says, we don't have enough money to even buy bread, rather than saying, there's a place you can buy bread. Interesting. So what do you see when you're looking at your situation? And what does that say about your amount of faith in Jesus and what he can do? Because this is what Andrew says. Get this. This is what he sees. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? So Andrew sees... uh, There's a little boy here. He looks around at his surroundings, and he sees a small possibility, a tiny lunch, a small chance. And he is willing to stick his neck out there and say, uh, there's a lunch. This kid has a Lunchable. (laughs) Can you imagine even suggesting that in front of your friends? do you see how many people are sitting out here? You can't feed that many people, right? But he's willing to suggest that maybe, just maybe with this tiny thing that I have, Jesus could do something. That's faith. He's willing to see that there is maybe a chance. And sorry to ruin your Sunday school image of this story, but I always imagined a cute little boy offering his lunch to Jesus. But it actually seems like this boy's poor lunch got stolen out from under his nose (laughs) and given to Jesus. That's what it says. Andrew takes his lunch. I just wonder what that boy was feeling. I can only hope that he was like, sure. Maybe he actually, maybe he did offer it because he had faith. Who knows? But he sees a possibility and he's willing to take a chance that maybe Jesus could do something with this little lunch. How willing are you to take the little bit that you see in your hand and say, there is a chance, a small chance. And even Andrew, he, he wraps it up with like, uh, here's a chance, but, but what are they among so many? Like, but probably not. You know, but Jesus works with that. 
He works with that, like, uh, it's a tiny bit, but maybe, just maybe, I will be willing to mention it to Jesus and see what he will do with that tiny little lunch. So good. Sometimes we need to stop and look around at our surroundings and realize that we aren't alone and there are people around us who can help us with the little bit they have. You know, being at at home this year, these last 10 months uh, with maternity leave, and probably moms out there have been there, it feels a little bit like a bubble sometimes, and I, like, here I am just doing my thing, the routines, the dishes every day, <laughs> all those things, and sometimes the winter was feeling a bit long and just wanting to get out and play, and honestly, there were moments where I was like, man, I can only have so much little kid conversation <laughs> before I'm like, I really could talk to an adult, <laughs> and, you know, there were moments where I felt pretty lonely, honestly, but I felt God speak to me even as I was preparing this. Look around. Because you're only as lonely as you want to be. If you would be willing to pick up the phone, there's someone you could call. There is. There is. And I recognized, what do I see? What do I see in this moment? Do I just see my loneliness and I just stay here in my pity party for myself? Or do I make a play date with a friend? Do I initiate something to say, there's a chance here. There's a possibility. And who knows what God can do with that if I'm willing to see a chance? Come on. It's good. Faith is the decision to believe something is possible even if it doesn't make sense. Faith is believing that God can do a lot with a little and being willing to offer the little to him. Faith usually doesn't make sense. It might be awkward and it might be uncomfortable, like Andrew standing up in the midst of his friends to say, maybe there's a chance. But we got to believe that with God, things, all things are possible. This is the next word. So what do you see? The next one is surrender. It says this here. Um, then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. I just think that's a funny line. <laughs> I don't know why that's relevant. I have nothing profound to say about the grass. But there was a lot, and Jesus wanted to make sure the people had a place to sit. So that's very nice of him, I thought. Um, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. <laughs> and Jesus took the loaves. I think that there's something really important about Surrender. That we take the little we have that's in our hands and we put it in his hands. And we say, I'm going to take this little bit, but Jesus, when I put it in your hands, I'm going to trust that it's better in your hands than in my own. And I am willing to surrender. You know, God is all sufficient. Nothing changes that. Our surrender doesn't change that. He is. However, in order to experience his all sufficiency in our lives, I believe we need to surrender in order to see it in order to experience it. We can't just hold on so tight to our own lives and our situations and say, I don't know, I don't think I can let go of this. I need to control. When we come to a place where we say, I can't control. I am not in control. I need you, God. And we are willing to surrender and put it in his hands. We surrender our lives to him, every part. 
our hurts, our fears, our pain, our worries, our victories, our gifts, our abilities, our talents. They are not our own. They are not our own. We surrender them to God and say, God, you use them. Because my life, the best place to take your life, you can complain to other people about the situations going on in your world. You can try and take it to others. But the best place to take your life is to the hands of Jesus. That is the best place to trust our lives is in his hands. He is the miracle worker, not you and not me. Surrender requires faith and trust in God's character and ability. Um, Recently, my 10-month-old daughter, um, a few months ago, she started eating solid food. And once she started getting the hang of it and understanding the spoon coming towards her mouth and what that meant, she had really fast reflexes to grab that spoon. And so I'm like, okay, here you go, some more food. And I'm, I'm feeding it to her, and she, she grabs on, and she has a strong grip. So I'm kind of like playing tug of war with this full spoon of food, like, <laughs> this is going to go everywhere if I'm not careful. Finally, I try and manage to like get it in her mouth, and she's still gripping it. She thinks it's hilarious. She's playing with this spoon, and I find myself saying, if you'll give it back to me, I can get you some more. If you'll let go of the spoon, I have all the rest of the food over here, and I could fill up the spoon and give you some more. And that was the beginning of this message, because I felt God say, give up the spoon. Are you willing to give up the spoon and say, okay, Because God, I trust that you have the food, that you have more than enough, that your grace is sufficient in this season and in this situation. Amen. And I felt that was a word for me. I need to let go of the spoon. So let go of the spoon this morning because your heavenly father loves you and he has more than enough to fill it and give you some more. This is the cool bit. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise the fish, fish as much as they wanted. This is the crazy thing about this miracle that I had not seen before, is that they give the lunch to Jesus. He takes it into his hands, and then he blesses it. And what was surrendered in faith is returned to them in power. And I believe that is an incredible transaction that happens when we are willing to surrender our lives in faith. He returns in power. And this is the crazy thing, though. Those disciples get handed the lunch. Not the leftovers and the 12 baskets or any of that. That has not happened yet. Spoiler alert, there's leftovers. Jesus gives them back their lunch. That tiny lunch. It doesn't look any different yet. It looks exactly the same. And he says, now go and give it to the people. Can you imagine for a moment having this tiny lunch and a little bit of bread and a bit of fish and walking up to the first person in line and be like, here you go. Okay, I'll go back for some more. (laughs) How uncomfortable would that be? Staring at like, what? He's getting the lunch? I wanted more. Like, what would happen in that situation? And I wonder how many miracles we might see if we were willing to share a little bit and trust Jesus with the rest. I wonder how many miracles would happen if we were willing to get a little bit uncomfortable, seem a little crazy (laughs) to share what we have. 
I wonder what we might see if we were willing. That's the next word, share. To experience God's grace that is sufficient, I believe that when you let go of the spoon, your hands are free and open to share what you have been given. It's powerful because they actually don't see the miracle yet. They don't see the leftovers yet. They just are obedient to share what is in their hands. What is in your hands that you can share and not just hold so tight to? They begin to share it. They are just obedient to step out in faith, trusting that God, Jesus, is going to do something. (laughs) They don't know what, but they are willing to share. This is the amazing part. It gets better. (laughs) Because it says this, they ate as much as they wanted. And it says, so when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. They, were, they ate as much as they wanted. Philip originally was saying there's not even enough to give them a little bit. But not only does Jesus give them a little bit, he satisfies their hunger and they were filled. They were full. They had had a good meal. Incredible. They were satisfied. And I believe that that represents and shows us the heart of God, that his desire is that we would be filled. His desire is that we would be satisfied, that our souls would experience his grace to such a degree that we would rely on him to such a degree that he would fill us, that he would be all that we need, that we would be at rest and at peace knowing that he is the one who is sufficient. Amen? He satisfies their hunger. Only God can do that. You can go searching the world. You can go to others. You can go wherever you want. But at the end of the day, I know that God is the only one who satisfies my soul, my deepest longings for relationship, for love, for belonging. All of those things are found in him. And they're found in my willingness to surrender. They're found in my willingness to step out and share the little bit I've been given. And I will experience how he satisfies. The scriptures are full, full, no pun intended, of words like full, filled, fullness, more than enough, above and beyond, extravagant. It all speaks to who God is. And that's the God that we know. We need to know him like that, that he is more than enough. It says in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want that to mark my life, the overflow, the full, the filled up, joy, peace, more than enough. I want that to mark my life. And I know that it only comes through surrender to him. The last word that is sufficient, because now we experience the miracle. We see the leftovers. It says this, when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Nothing is wasted. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. 
gather up the fragments. You know, I think that we need to understand and see, we need to ask, why were there leftovers here? And we need to see that God likes leftovers. He's into leftovers. I don't know what you feel about leftovers, but God is into them because I think that it speaks to the fact that there is enough. There is more than enough. I do not run out. I am not limited. You might limit me, but don't limit me because I have more than enough. I don't run out. And not only do I not run out, I don't just squeak by. I have filled to the fullness, given more than enough above and beyond. So there is bread today. There will be bread for tomorrow because I am the God who is more than enough. Amen. He is sufficient. God is saying, just in case you thought that this was enough, (laughs) Philip, you didn't think there would be enough at all. But just in case you thought that this was enough, I'm going to show you that I do more than that. There is more ahead. The future is good. This is what God promises to us. He has more in store for us. So don't give up. Stay at the table. There's more coming. He is sufficient. He is not done. He doesn't run out. The cool thing about this, and I can't totally go into it, but I encourage you to read on in John chapter 6, because after he's just done this nice object lesson with the bread, he shows himself right after that. Well, first he walks on the water. No big deal. But after that, he, he shows himself as the bread of life. Right after that. So they're already got bread on the mind and hunger and being filled and watching this miracle take place. And then he reveals himself because the crowds come to him and he says, I think you're coming because you're looking for food. But I'm going to tell you, don't just come and work hard for the food that perishes and doesn't last. But the work to do is to believe in me. That's the work. That's the hard work. Believe in me that I am the bread of life so that you will never go hungry again. That is the promise from Jesus, that he reveals himself, I am the bread of life, and you will never go hungry again. They say, Moses gave us manna in the desert. He says, Moses didn't feed you in the desert. God fed you in the desert, and God is going to feed you now, and it's going to be bread that does not run out and doesn't go bad the next day. It's everlasting. That is what it means for him to be the bread of life. Just as I wrap up, I just think that this story is a beautiful picture of the gospel in a nutshell. Because, and every story in God's word is. It all points to this idea that we are broken and in need of him. We don't have enough. But when we bring who we are as we are, he loves us that way. The little bit we have, he knows we're limited. And then he does a miracle. He rescues us, redeems us, saves us. He does what only God can do. And he teaches us to share. He equips us to give, to reach out, to move forward. It's beautiful what God has done. Would you stand with me? I just want to pray over you and just take a moment to surrender, to let go of the spoon. I don't know what spoon you're holding today but this is an opportunity to just intentionally say, okay, God, I'm going to surrender to you. So you can even do it with your physical posture. Just encourage you to take a moment and talk to God and then I'll pray.
God, we thank you that you are sufficient. You show yourself over and over again as the one who is more than enough. And as we stand here today, open-handed, we release our lives into your hands because we wanna trust you, God, that you have what's best for us. You have more than enough for us. And I pray right now, God, as these hands are open and these hearts are being surrendered to you, God, would you show yourself faithful? Would you fill us up with your joy, with your peace, with your life? Would you give us a fresh filling? Fill us up fresh today. We need you today, God. We need bread today because we are hungry and we know it's because we are hungry for you that things in this world do not satisfy, but you satisfy. So we look to you today, God, to satisfy us, to fill us up as only you can. And we let go of the things we've been holding on tight and know that you are with us and you are for us. In Jesus' name.